It is a brand new year. Welcome, 2019. And boy, oh boy, this year is going to be a spectacular year. Right here on All Andy Alford. We've got the ECHL All-Star Game happening here. We have our annual pilgrimage to Detroit for the NAIAS, the North American International Auto Show. And hopefully playoff runs for the Walleye and the Jackets. But we finish up last year with the NFL. The Lions finish the season out with a win in Green Bay. While the Browns try to bounce someone out of the playoffs and fail the attempt. Michigan forgets the pickles on the Chick-fil-A sandwich. While Ohio State sends Urban Meyer off with the win. And thank you, Urban. The Jackets continue to struggle, but pick it up as of late. While the Walleye are really struggling as of late. Welcome to 2019, and welcome to All Andy Alfred. Guess who's back? All Andy Alfred. And I love you guys and welcome in to this, the 3rd of January 2018 edition of All Andy Alfred right here on the Anchor Network. And you are listening to me on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes and the Apple Podcasts, whether it is Google Podcasts, whether it be Spotify, Stitcher, Podcast Now, however you listen to me, wherever you're listening to me, and whenever you listen to me, thank you for tuning into the program today, and welcome into the first show of 2019. Yes, it has been a tremendous holiday year. We'll get into how my holiday was uh, later on in the program, got a lot to get into tonight, of course. We're going to talk about the struggles that are the walleye right now and the fact that a lot of things are happening with the walleye. We'll get into that. We'll also talk about the Blue Jackets and the NHL as well. And we'll also dive into the World Juniors Hockey Tournament going on right now in Vancouver, British Columbia. A big upset last night, and we'll discuss that as well. And, of course, as always, we'll recap the... And recap the NCAA football schedule and talk about the college football playoff. But we want you to be a part of the program as always. You can follow us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred. So welcome into the program. I've got a lot of new listeners that are coming in today. And I want to thank you for tuning into the program this evening as well. So let's dive right into it and let's recap. The final regular season finale of the NFL, first and foremost. Isn't it something that the Lions, you know, get the job done when when they have nothing to play for? Both teams that, that the Lions were play, the Lions played against today last, last Sunday, absolutely. You know, they played last Sunday against Green Bay. Both teams. Mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. We're going to make it. And who would have thought that? That Green Bay would not make the playoffs this year. 
Who would have thought that the Lions weren't going to make the playoffs this year? I raised my hand. It was an absolutely embarrassing season this year for the Lions. It really was. And I wasn't expecting much from this Lions team this year. I know with new Matt Patricia at the helm, we weren't expecting much. A lot of us Lions fans weren't expecting much. And to see what this product is, and to see how they performed in the last two games of the year, you know, last week, going into Buffalo, and losing to Buffalo, and then this week going into playing Green Bay at Green Bay, you know, I don't know, it's just, for me it felt like, you know, the Lions were giving up, and they, and they went out, and they hit a home run against Green Bay, beating their divisional opponent 31 to nothing. Stafford, 20 for 32, 266, two TDs, no INTs in the game. Zenner, 21 carries for 93 yards, one TD in the game. Powell, six catches, 103, no touchdowns. Jones, six catches, 50 yards, no TDs in the game. Aaron Rodgers was in this game, and then he gets pot late in the first half. And the former Central Catholic fighting Irish quarterback, former Notre Dame fighting Irish quarterback, Deshaun Kaiser comes into the game. And it was great to see him finally get some reps. He had a good game. 16 for 35, 132, zero touchdowns, one INT in the game. He ran the ball four times for 40 yards, no TDs in the game for him. Williams, eight carries, 40 yards, no TDs in the game. Randall Cobb was held on the score sheet, one catch, 27 yards. Valdez Smith, three catches, 49 yards, no TDs in the game. You break down, looks like this. The Lions, 25 first downs to the Green Bay Packers, 9. They were 7 for 14 on first down. Green Bay, 5 for 16. That's The Lions were running at 50%. The Green Bay Packers at 37%. The Lions had 402 yards of total offense, 272 through the air, 130 on the ground. Green Bay, 175, 129 through the air, 46 on the ground. Penalties did not hamper out on the Lions. Three penalties for 34 yards. Green Bay, five penalties, 38 yards. They had one turnover in the game. The Lions had no turnovers in the game. So we get to the end of this season for the Lions. We have finally hit the end of it, and it is time to pass out grades, of course. It's the end of the semester, so the end of the school year, and the end of the season for the NFL. So we are passing out grades. Of course, for the Lions this year, I give them a D+. Matthew Stafford alone is a C-plus player. Matt Patricia this year was a D-minus coach. And I say that because, you know, it is his first year and he struggled with the quality of talent that they had on the field. Trading away Golden Tate really, really hurt the Lions this year. It really did. And for me, the fact that this club was so close, and especially how bad the division was this year, you have... Uh, a struggling Green Bay team, Minnesota that couldn't get the job done, and you have a Chicago team that's surging because of one player. It helps their case out. I give the Lions a D plus. I think the Lions can show a lot more improvement. They need to go out and get better, better players. You know, sitting at eight in the draft order right now, and we'll get to the draft order here in just a second is a benefit for the Lions. They can go out and get a wide receiver. They can go out and get a running back. 
helping helping their case out. We'll see. It, we'll see who wins. Where's the Hallelujah Blue come April when the uh, when the draft takes place? But I, I I digress. The Lions need help. What another team does not need is help. I think the Browns are in the right fa- factor of frame of mind. Because here's the factor. Going into this week's game, this past week's game, against the Ravens, Baltimore needed to win the game to win the division. If the Browns defeated the Ravens, then the Brown, then the Steelers would be going to the playoffs. That showed, showed you how big that game was. And for Pittsburgh to go out and win 16-13 to over Cincinnati, all the Browns had to do was win the game against Baltimore. And they played one hell of a game. One hell of a game to show all us Browns fans and Browns fans out there that you know maybe next year could be a chance for a playoffs. Absolutely a chance for a playoff spot. Because after, after all, they've got their quarterback. Now, the, the thing is, is Baker Mayfield going to be there for them? I think so. And he was there for them on Sunday against Baltimore. He was 23 for 42, 376, three touchdowns, three INTs in the game. Had a chance to win the game going down the field, less than a minute to play in the game. Throws an interception. And the Baltimore Ravens defeat the Cleveland Browns 26-24, locking in a playoff spot and winning the AFC North. Nick Chubb, a breakout game, nine carries for 24 yards. This kid was not even a starter for this team this year. Wasn't even a starter for this team this year. And I told you at the beginning of the season, you can go back and listen to all the episodes, Nick Chubb is going to be a breakout player for the Cleveland Browns. He's going to be a breakout star in the NFL. I loved him back then, and I love him now. He's a great player. You know, Sunday's game was a setback. Nine carries, 24 yards, no TDs in the game. Uh, Anthony Callaway, four catches, 79 yards, one TD in the game. Javaris Landry, five catches, 102 yards, one TD in the game. For the Ravens, LeVar Jackson, the star quarterback since Joe Flacco is out, 14 for 24, 179 no TDs, no INTs in the game. He ran the ball 20 times for 90 yards, two TDs in the game. Dixon, 12 carries for 117 yards, no TDs in the game. Andrews, four catches, 54 yards, no TDs. Hurst, two carry, catches, 43 yards, no TDs in the game. Breakdown looks like this. Baltimore had 24 first downs to Cleveland's 18. Cleveland was 4 for 11 on third down. The Ravens, 3 for 13. The Ravens had 463 yards of total offense, 167 through the air, 298. Six on the ground for the Browns. They have 426 yards of total offense, 376 through the air, 50 yards on the ground. Ten penalties for 65 yards hurt the hurt the Ravens in the game, but it was four penalties for 35 yards for the Browns. But those three turnovers in the game by Baker Mayfield cost the Browns, and especially the last one, cost the Browns the chance to, you know, give Pittsburgh a chance to get into the playoffs. But Baltimore gets the win. They get wrap up the playoff spot. And looking at some of the other games in Week 17, 
Atlanta was a winner, 34-32 over Tampa Bay. The G-Men lose late to the Dallas Cowboys, 36-35. Carolina, a winner, 33-14 over New Orleans. The Jets get slammed by the Patriots, 38-3. It was Jacksonville falling to Houston, 20-3. Buffalo, 42-17 win over the Miami Dolphins. Seattle, a winner, 27-24 over Arizona. San Francisco, a winner, 32-48 over the Rams. It was the Denver Broncos falling to the L.A. Chargers, 23-9. Philadelphia a winner 24 to nothing over the Washington Football Club. Chicago gets the win 24 to 10 over Minnesota. Oakland beat loses to Kansas City 35 to 3 and Indianapolis gets the win over Tennessee in week 17's game which was the Sunday night game and it was for all the marbles. Saying so week 17 proved that you know and that was one of those games that was flexed. I thought they were going to show the show the Bears game but of course of course, the the they flexed it. Indianapolis gets the win over Tennessee by a final score of thirty-three to seventeen. So now that sets up for the playoffs. But before we get to the playoffs, we have another card, uh, another um, great card to pass out, and that's to the Browns. The Browns this year, after firing Hugh Jackson, before Hugh Jackson was there, was becoming an F grade. But with firing Hugh Jackson and rebounding as they have, they went from being an F to a B-minus club. Mayfield's a B-plus quarterback. Their offense is a B-plus. Their defense is a C-plus, in my feeling. And um, I, I, I look for the Browns next year to actually come out and be strong enough to help themselves out. And um, we'll see what happens. Let's we'll see what pieces they pick up. In the offseason. But of course that now leads us into this weekend. In in the NFL. With the wild card round. We have four games slated this week. Two on Saturday. Two on Sunday. And it will be at 435 on ESPN or ABC. The Indianapolis Colts taking on the Houston Texans. In Houston I will take the Texans. In that game. The late game on Fox. We'll see the, the boys. The Cowboys taking on the Seattle Seahawks. In Jerry World, I will take the Cowboys to defeat the Seahawks this Saturday. Sunday games look like this. The Ravens at home to take on Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. I'm going to take the Chargers to beat the, the Baltimore Ravens. And the late game sees the defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles taking on the Chicago Bears. I'm going to take the Bears to beat the, to beat the Eagles in that game. Of course, the buys look like this. It's New England and Kansas City in the AFC. In the NFC, it is the New Orleans Saints and the <coughs> excuse me, the LA Rams. So we'll see what happens with that. You know, the NFL is right around the corner. A lot of coaches being fired, of course. It was Black Monday this past Monday. Uh, Marvin Lewis out as head coach. Um Hearing a report that uh, McCarthy is going to sign is uh, going for an interview with the Browns, I don't see that being a really good fit for them. I would like to see the interim interim coach that they have become the head coach because he has helped this club out tremendously since they have fired Hugh Jackson. But we'll see what happens, and um, I look forward to seeing what the offseason was, and of course what this playoff series will happen for me. Of the 16 teams that are left in the col- in the almost at the college football, I said in the NFL playoffs, two teams in each division are are sticking out my mind. 
One is the Patriots in the AFC, because you can never count out New England. And the second is the L.A. Chargers. Phillip Rivers and his club are there. And this is a strong possibility. I think the Chargers could make, honestly, be one of those teams that a lot of people aren't talking about because, they're, oh, they're going to get knocked out in the first round. Oh, and they're going to get beaten, blah, 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 blah. Look, the Chargers are for real. Especially in that division where they have Kansas City and they have and they had Denver. I And to get out of that division and have that many wins, you, you, you can't put a bet against the Chargers. I like the Chargers. In the a- NFC, I mean, I like Philadelphia's chances, but I don't think that they're going to get past the Bears. I think I think Chicago is one of those teams to watch out for, especially with Khalil Mack and Mitchell Trubisky helping it out. Nagy's got a great system right there. I think the Bears are going to be a surprise. And the other team, and I hate to say this, I hate to say this, but I like Cow- the Cowboys. Nobody's talking about Dallas. Nobody's talking about Dallas. With Prescott and with Elliott, there's a strong possibility that they could be making a run. But for me, of the 16 teams left in the NFL playoffs, who I see playing on February 3rd, my birthday, I see the Chicago Bears playing the L.A. Chargers for the Super Bowl. Now you're going to say to me, why are you picking these two teams? I liked L.A.'s chant. I love L.A. They're they're good from top to bottom. So same with Chicago. They're a top to bottom team that can be dominant. And I said to the, I said to this. I said it at the beginning of the season. I said it was going to be Atlanta and New England. New England is an, a, a, a is my safe bet. I think New England could get in, but if it was my money to bet, I would take the Chargers to play against the Bears for the Super Bowl this February 3rd. So we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. As you're listening to all Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, Stitcher, however you're listening to me and wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program. And now let's dive into the college football scene. And somebody, somebody screwed an order up at the Chick-fil-A Bowl. What an embarrassment. To the Big Ten. What an absolute embarrassment to the Big Ten this year. In that Peach Bowl. Jim Harbaugh and his club get absolutely embarrassed at the Chick-fil-A Bowl. Absolutely embarrassed. I Now, I watched this game. And it was a good lead up to the college football playoff. You know, I thought, you know, Florida and Michigan. Oh, this is going to be a great game. You know, there's a, you know, both teams battling each other out. You know, Florida's Florida's an up and coming. They're getting better. You know, this is going to be, this will be a great game. Absolutely a great game. No, it wasn't. The Gators just went and destroyed. They destroyed. They destroyed Michigan. 41 to 15 with an absolute embarrassment. Against this is the number 1 defense. The number 1 defense. Michigan 
absolutely routed. They forgot to put the pickles on the sandwich, and they forgot to add the waffle fries to the bat to the white bag. Franks, 13 for 23, 173, one TD in the game. Perrine, six catches, six carries, 76 yards, one TD in the game. Frank had 14 carries for 74 yards, one TD in the game for him. Jefferson, four catches, 64 yards. Perrine, four catches, 22 yards, one TD in the game through the air. For Michigan, Shane Patterson was an absolute was absolutely good. But he had two interceptions in the game. 22 for 36, 236 through the air. One TD, two interceptions in the game. And it was just absolutely embarrassing. The defense was not there. Their secondary was absolutely torched most of the game. I was embarrassed for the Big Ten in this game. Absolutely embarrassed. I thought Michigan would come out swinging. And they did not. They did not come out swinging. Absolutely Failed on attempt after attempt after attempt after attempt. And all you could get is 15 points? That's embarrassing. That's absolutely embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. Turner, seven carries for 32 yards. The rushing was horrible. Evans, seven carries, 20 yards. Collins, five catches, 80 yards. Donovan Peoples-Jones, eight catches, 71 yards, one TD. The one TD in the game. Breakdown looks like this. Florida, 15 first downs to Michigan's 18. Michigan was 16, six for 15 on third down. Miami, uh, excuse me, Florida was eight for 16, 50%. 427 total yards of offense. 170 through the air, 257 on the ground. For the for the Mason Blue, 326 in total offense. 249 through the air, 77 yards on the ground. Four penalties, 22 yards. Five penalties, 40 yards for Florida. Four penalties, 22 yards for Michigan. And two turnovers in the game, all to Michigan. Michigan finished the season 10-3. and three, And, you know, they've got a lot to go off for now. They have to. They have to. Harbaugh's got to have a good recruiting season. He has to have a better recruiting season. And now, with Big Boy on the block, Urban Meyer gone, next year, if he does not win the Ohio State-Michigan game, I guarantee you, and I will put I will put my lifeline on the line right here, that, that Jim Harbaugh will be gone as head coach of the Michigan Wolverines. And I'm not a big Michigan fan. I'm not a Michigan fan, period. No, I like both teams. You know, I root for Ohio State, but as a Michigan fan, and I pose this question to you for the fans on Twitter to post on Twitter, and I'll read them next week on the air. If Michigan loses again to Ohio State next year, do you think Jim Harbaugh should be the head coach of Michigan? Because certainly I don't. I don't think so. Especially now with Ryan Day now at the helm of Ohio State. And Urban Meyer, his last game, and I hated 
how ESPN just drove that in so much. Tom Rinaldi, every single interview. I watched the morning of the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day. I watched that championship drive with her with Curb Street, Lee Corso, Desmond Howard, uh, Reese Davis. I watched that. I like watching that. You know, I like to hear what they have to say about the day's events and all the games that are happening that day. Here's the thing. Ronaldi kept driving the question, you know, this is Urban's last game. It's his first time playing in the Rose Bowl. And how's your emotions? How are you feeling? How is this? Uh, let the guy coach his last game. Let, his pl- let him and his players live. Ronaldi is one of those guys. Ronaldi is one of those guys that just is one of those guys that's in your face all the time asking you the stupid questions. Let the guy coach and then ask him the questions at the end of the game. We don't need all this information. Oh, oh, how do you feel about about your, this being your last game. Did you talk to your players? Did you do the... Let the guy coach. Let them play. Let them play. Let them play. That's all I have to say. Let them play. And Ohio State played one hell of a football game. They dominated this game. They absolutely dominated this game. Against Washington. And then they let Washington in the game late. But it was too late already. That's Ohio State. Gives Urban Meyer the fond farewell. And his first ever Rose Bowl win. With a 28-23 win. Over the Washington Huskies. Haskins, 25-37, 251, three touchdowns, no interceptions in the game. Mike Weber, 15 carries, 96 yards, no TDs. J.K. Dobbins, 7 carries, 24 yards, 1 TD in the game. Uh, Clarence Campbell, 11 catches, 71 yards, 1 TD in the game. K.J. Hill, 3 catches, 54 yards, no TDs in the game. Browning, 35 for 54, 313, no touchdowns, no interceptions in the game. Gaskins had one, completed one for one for 2 yards, 1 TD in the game. In the game, he also ran the ball 24 times for 121 yards, two TDs in the game. Fuller, seven catches, 80 yards, no TDs. Brashella, 12 catches, 109 yards, no TDs in the game. Breakdown looks like this. Washington, 27 first down plays, so Ohio State's 22. The Buckeyes were 3 for 13 on third down. Washington, 9 for 20. Washington had 444 yards of total offense, 315 through the air, 129 in the ground. For Ohio State, 364 of total offense, 251 through the year, 113 on the ground, nine penalties for 53 yards for the Ohio State Buckeyes, and it was Washington with six six penalties for 46 yards in the game. Both teams didn't cough up the football. Big skin didn't get intercepted or fumbled in the game against 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 either team. So Ohio State will win 28-23 overall over Washington. And the Rose Bowl and Meyer goes off and hands off the hands off the uh the mantle, the the whistle over to Ryan Day. And Ryan Day now becomes the head coach as Ohio State 
finishes the year as the Big Ten champion, and Urban Meyer goes into retirement. And, you know, I, what I say to Urban is thank you, Urban. I say thank you to Urban Meyer. Uh, a tremendous coach, one of the best. And, you know, I, I, I liked him ever since he was at Bowling Green. I liked him when he was at Florida and Utah. When he came to Ohio State, it was just tremendous to see. And, um, you know, he will be missed. And uh, he is truly a pleasure to watch and to listen to and the coaching helm. So those are the local spectrums. We had another local team, of course, but it was for the college football playoff. The final four was set. Number one ranked Alabama played number four ranked Oklahoma. But the first game of the, of the college football playoff saw the third ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish take on the Clemson Tigers. And I was so hoping that this game was going to be a, a classic. I thought that Brian Kelly would have his club up for this game. Absolutely embarrassed. I was absolutely embarrassed. Absolutely. Notre Dame lays an egg as always. And this now proves to me, this proves to me one thing. Ohio State deserved to be in the playoff. They did. And it showed that Notre Dame's true win was the Michigan win. And Michigan laying the egg against Florida really hurt Notre Dame. It really did. It absolutely did. But Clemson beating Notre Dame by a score of 30-3 to in the game is just absolutely embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. Ian Book 17 for 34. No touchdowns. One interception. Williams, 16 carries for 54 yards. He also threw the ball three times for 29 yards. Boykin, five catches, 64 yards, no TDs in the game. Finkel, 12, two catches, 24 yards, no touchdowns in the game. Trevor Lawrence, 27 for 34, 327 through the air, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Enley, 14 carries for 109 yards, one TD in the game. Ross, six carry, catches for 148 yards, two TDs in the game. Herrero, four catches, 62 yards, no TDs in the game. So Clemson getting the win over Notre Dame, 30-3. to So that set up the nightcap in, in Miami and the Orange Bowl against fourth-ranked Oklahoma, the Boomer Sooners, taking on the Alabama Crimson Tide. And as the number fourth-ranked Oklahoma Boomer Sooners took on Alabama. And Alabama just showing again why they're the number one ranked team in the country is Tuoloa again torching the offense and leading Alabama to a 45-34 win over Oklahoma. Tuoloa 24 for 27, 318, four TDs, no interception of the game. Jacobs 5, 15 carries for 98 yards, no TDs in the game. Devin Smith 6 catches for 104 yards, one TD in the game. Jory, four catches, 73 yards, one TD in the game. Kyler Murray, the 
Heisman winner shut down in this game by the Alabama defense. 19 for 37, 308 on the air, two TDs, one inter- no interception in the game. He also carried the ball 17 times for 109 yards, one TD in the game. Brooks, six carries for 35 yards, no TDs in the game. Lamb, eight catches, 109 yards, one TD in the game. Rambo, three catches, 74 yards, one TD in the game. So that ends the college football semifinals. We now hit the finals, which is January 9th, this upcoming Monday. As Clemson, in a rematch for the national championship for the third straight year, not the third, three out of the four last years, Clemson takes on Alabama in the national championship in Santa Clara, California. Clemson, Lawrence, but roll tide, baby. I'm taking Alabama to beat Clemson. Some of the New Year's Six games to talk about as well, too. Mississippi State gets beat by Iowa 27-22. LSU a 40-32 win over UCF and knocking out UCF on their 25-game winning streak is over against UCF. Kentucky will win 27-24 over Penn State. Texas with a winner 28-21 over the Georgia Bulldogs. How about Northwestern getting a 31-20 win over Utah in the San Diego State Credit Union Holiday Bowl. Michigan State laying an egg in the Red Box Bowl, 7-6. Cincinnati, a winner, 35-31 over Virginia Tech. That's some of the games in the college football season. So we're getting close to the end of the season. Of course, the final game this upcoming Monday in Santa Clara for the national championship. Looking forward to that. And uh, I don't like what ESPN is going to do with this. Now, excuse me. If you like the Monday Night Football crew, the new crew, I'm sorry, but no, you do not. You do not put a NFL crew on a national championship game. ESPN, if you do that, you're going to lose so many viewers. I'm going to have to put the game on mute or I'm going to put it on the command center. And watch it. Or watch it for the coaches. Because I cannot stand the Monday night crew. The new crew that they got. They should have kept Sean McDonough. And a few of the other, and a few other, the other guys. A couple other new people. Because if you put this crew. That is the Monday night crew. On a national championship game. Who doesn't know about that much about college football. Who is probably the worst combination of broadcasters. You're putting these all three of these guys and the guy who sits in a chair, in a bubble chair, and watches the plays. No. No. You put Herb Street and you put Fowler in this game. You do that every year. We had it for Keith Jackson for so many years. Keep it the way it is. Keep it the way it is. And if you keep it the way it is, we'll be fine. We'll be absolutely fine. But if you put that Monday Night Crew on there, it's going to be a big mess. One thing that's not a mess is that you're listening to all Andy Elford tonight right here 
on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me tonight, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in. And now let's dive into the ice. Let's hit the ice and let's talk about the Jackets and the NHL and the struggle that is the Jackets. So when I last left you, the Jackets were on this hot streak. They were continuing the beating Vegas, of course. They get the job done against New Jersey by the final score of 2-1. to one. Then they hit the road to take on Philadelphia on the 22nd of December 2018 and get the 4-3 win. And then the next night going into New Jersey and getting a win 3 to nothing over the Devils. Which then set up this past this past week as they took on the New York Rangers after the Christmas holiday and they get the 4-3 win over the Rangers. It started off the scoring, of course, in the game for the Jackets. And a good-sized crowd on hand at Madison Square Garden for the game against the after the holiday break. And you always get good crowds after the after the holiday break as it was the Jackets getting out to an early one nothing lead from Oliver Bjorkstrand, his fifth of the season. Then Jay, uh, Jamie Valeski, his tenth of the season for the Rangers, nodded up at one at the 13-59 mark of the first period before David Savard buries it past the King Henrik Lundqvist, and it was 2-1 CBJ after 20 minutes of play. Kreider then buries his second and third of the game to give the Rangers a 3-2 lead going into the third period before Zach Gorinsky getting his seventh of the season, tying it at three, then forcing overtime, and P.L. Luc Dubois, Pierre-Luc, buries it 31 seconds into overtime as the Jackets get a 4-3 win over the New York Rangers. The Jackets out shooting the Rangers 29-22 in the game. They were 58% on the faceoff dot to New York's 48%. The Rangers 1-for-1 one one on the power play. Columbus 0-for-1. Columbus out hitting the Rangers 32-18 in the game. And starting in the net for the Jackets in the game with Fiona's Corpusalo. He stopped 19 of 22 in the save percentage of a point eight six four for the Rangers. It was Henrik Lundqvist stopping 25 of 29 save percentage of point eight six two. So the Jackets getting a big win in Metropolitan Division play, which set up the final game and the final meeting between the Jackets and the Maple Leafs at Nationwide Arena. And the Jackets were looking to bounce. And give and win the series, the series, the season series against the Leafs. Both teams tied at one game apiece, and it started off with Jonathan Tavares on a tip shot gets past Sergey Bobrovsky, his 25th of the season as Tavares from Kadri and Martyr, before Nick Felino buries it past the goaltender uh, Sparks as his 10th of the season as tied it up at one before Tavares then buries his second of the game and giving the Leafs a 2-1 lead in the game. Mitch Marder gets his third of the season in the second period, his 13th of the year. For Gardner, buries his fourth in the third period and made it 4-1 Toronto. Artemi Panarin getting its 100th goal in the NHL, his 12th of the season, making it 4-2, and that's all the offense the Jackets could muster as the team, as the Jackets get beat by the Leafs 4-2 at 200 West Nationwide Boulevard. 
The Jackets and Leafs had both had 29 shots on net. The Leafs were 58% on the faceoff depth to Columbus's 42%. The Leafs were 1-for-2 on the power play. Columbus 0-for-2. The Jackets out hitting the Leafs 24-8 to in the game. For the Leafs in the game, Sparks had stopped 27 of 29. His save percentage of .931. For the Jackets, it was Sergei Bobrovsky between the pipes. He stopped 25 of 29. His save percentage of .862. So the Jackets continuing their struggles. They they get they continue their winning streak, but then he hit the wall against the Maple Leafs, and they welcomed in on New Year's Eve the Ottawa Senators in the Nationwide Arena, and the Jackets just absolutely came out and swung at the fences for that game. Starting off the scoring, of course, Bo was the former Ohio State Buckeye himself, Ryan Dezingle. His 14th of the season led Ottawa to a 1-0 lead before Zach Wierenski buries it past the goaltender for Ottawa in his 8th of the season, tying it at 1 apiece. Then the Jackets turned down the heat. Two unanswered goals by Pierre-Luc Dubois, his 15th and 16th of the season, making it a 3-1 jacket lead before Robbie Ryan gets his 7th of the season, cutting the deficit to 3-2 before Ryan Dezingle again gets his 2nd of the night and ties the game at 3 apiece in the 3rd period. And then the heat turned on for the Jackets. Zach Wierenski, his ninth of the season from Panarin and Dubois. Atkinson, his 24th of the season from Panarin and Murray. And then Josh Anderson, from 180 feet away from the other goal line, puts it into the empty net, and the Jackets celebrate New Year's Eve with a 6-3 win over the Ottawa Senators. Shots on goal in the game, the Jackets had 38 shots on net to Ottawa's 25. It was 53% on the faceoff dot to Ottawa's 47%. Both teams 0 for on the power play, Columbus 0 for 2, Ottawa 0 for 3. It was the Jackets out hitting the Senators 23-13 to in the game. And of course, like I said before, the Jackets continuing their ways and getting the win against Ottawa, helping their cause out. Bobrovsky getting the win in that one for the Jackets. He stopped a total of of 22-25. The save percentage is a .880 for the Ottawa Senators. It was Holmberg, 32 of 36. His second career start in the NHL, a .889. So, Jackets getting the win. They now hit on the road. They'll go on their southern stops with a game tomorrow night in Carolina. 7.30 puck drop for that one. Before they head over to Florida, the Sunrise, to take on the Panthers at 7 o'clock. And then on Tuesday, they'll be in Tampa to take on the Lightning. Other games happening in the NHL. We had one game already this afternoon that just went final. It was the it was the Minnesota Wild that won her four to three over the Toronto Maple Leafs. Games tonight. Calgary is in Boston to take on the Bruins. The Panthers are on the road to take on the Sabers. Carolina is in Philadelphia to take on the Flyers. Canucks will be in in Montreal to take on the Canadians. The Blues will be hosting the defending Stanley Cup champion. Washington Capitals. The Lightning are will be taking on the L.A. Kings. Games last night in the NHL. The Canucks were a winner over the Ottawa Senators, four to three. Calgary a five three win over the Detroit Red Wings, seven to two. Winners were the 
or the Pittsburgh Penguins over the New York Rangers. The Devils lose to the Stars 5-4. The Sharks a winner 5-4 over the Avalanche. And the Oilers a 3-1 win over the Arizona Coyotes. Looking at the standings going into today's play, here's what it looks like. Updated standings with Toronto winning, losing today. Tampa is a winner. Is Tampa is in first place with a record of 31-7-2 with 64 points. Toronto 26-12-2 with 54 points. Boston 22-14-4 with 48 points. There are the top three in the Atlantic Division. In the Metropolitan Division, it is Washington at 24-11-3 with 51 points. Pittsburgh 22-12-6 with 50 points. And the Blue Jackets are 23-13-3 with 49 points. Wildcard race looks like this. How about the Buffalo Sabres? 21-13-6 with 48 points. Montreal 21-14-5 with 47 points. On the outside looking in are the Islanders at 21-13-4 with 46 points. Barry Trotz has got his club working in that one. The Rangers are 17-15-7 with 41 points. The Panthers 17-15-6 with 40 points as well. And on the outside, those are teams outside on the outside looking in. Also, on the outside looking in, it's the Carolina Pan, the Carolina Hurricanes at 16-7-5 with 37 points. The Devils 15-7-7 with 37 points. The Detroit Red Wings are 15-20-7 with 37 points. The Flyers 15-19-5 with 35 points. And the Ottawa Senators are 15-21-5 with 35 points. In the Western Conference, the Winnipeg Jets are leading the Central Division at 25-12-2 with 52 points. Nashville is in second at 24-15-2 with 50 points. Dallas is 21-16-4 with 46 points. In the Pacific Division, it is the Calgary Flames at 25-12-4 with 54 points. Vegas 24-15-4 with 52 points. San Jose, 22-13-7 with 51 points. Wildcard standings look like this. Colorado holding the first spot at 19-14-8 with 46 points. The Ducks at 19-15-7 with 45 points. On the outside looking in are the Canucks at 20-19-4 with 44 points. Minnesota, 19-17-3 with 41 points. That's what their win today against the Leafs. Edmonton, 19-18-3 with 41 points. Arizona, 17-21-2 with 36 points. Chicago, 15-21-6 with 36 points. The Kings are 16-22-3 with 35 points. And the Blues are 15-18-4 with 34 points. We did have a game on New Year's Day. We had actually three games in the NHL, but one in particular I want to talk about really quickly is the Winter Classic. It was the Boston Bruins taking on the Chicago Blackhawks at Fane Notre Dame Stadium, and it was a pretty good game. It was a pretty good game. I, I was very, very intrigued with it because both teams having down year, uh, Chicago having a down year this year, firing Joe Quinville, of course, and the interim in helm, and Boston finding their way and trying to get into the playoff hunt at the time before they got the win on New Year's Day, beating the Chicago Blackhawks. It was good to see, you know, the Hawks being competitive, but the Bruins getting a 4-2 win over the Hawks, of course, helped their case out for the playoff hunt. But one thing that I, I, I want to talk about briefly is what happened at Notre Dame Stadium. From reports inside the stadium that concession stands ran out of food, ran out of beer, and those concession stands that did have enough food 
and enough beer were chaos. We were looking 20 to 30 rows deep just to get into the concession stand to get something to eat and something to drink. That's absolutely embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing for that. Absolutely. There's no need for that. The NHL should have been prepared for this. And you know, a lot of us, a lot of including myself, I you know, were shocked to hear this. The NHL is always prepared for situations like this. No matter what the situation is. And coming up on Andy Rance, I want to talk about about what the commissioner and the NHL has decided to do for next year. That is really, really ticking me off. As you're listening to all Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcasts Now, however you're listening to me today, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program. And let's dive a little bit more into the onto the ice and let's talk about the World Juniors that's going on right now. Of course, the big news last night is that the Canadian team, the host country team, has been eliminated by the Finns. Finland getting the win in, in overtime to beating Canada. And the Finns getting the job done and absolutely surprising. Absolutely surprising yours truly on that helm as well. I mean, I, I you know, I, I always book it as Canada versus the U.S. in the World Junior Championship. And these kids are playing for the pride of the country. And they're also playing for an opportunity to possibly be in the NHL coming forward. But, of course, you know, the stunning surprise that Canada is out. The U.S. is still in, of course. It it just surprised me. It absolutely surprised me to see that Canada gets bounced, you know. And now all everybody's talking about now is, you know, is this is this a thing? You know, is is Canada falling apart? Look, it it was just a game. It was a quarterfinal game. But we'll but we'll see. We will see what happens. I, I I think, you know, don't get me wrong. I think the U.S. has an opportunity to, you know, do things. I just can't believe the Finns beat Canada. And the United States eliminated the Czech Republic, of course. So the game's going into tomorrow night. It will be Denmark playing Kazakhstan. Russia is against the United States. And the Finns will take on the Swedes. And let's talk a little bit more since we're talking about lower class hockey. Let's talk about the East Coast Hockey League and the Toledo Walleye. When I last left you, the Walleye were on a on a bit of a run as of late. Well now eleven players have gone to either up to the up up to Grand Rapids or are injured or have gone up to higher leagues. Most recently Kevin Tansy going to the Stockton Thunder in the AHL. Well the Walleye have been struggling. They have been struggling as of late. And it, it all started, for me, they had five games in six days, which started last Thursday, the 27th, against 
Brampton at home. And the Jack and the Walleye getting the win 7-4 to four over the Beast. But then Friday night, they headed in to the beautiful complex. Friday night, excuse me, not Friday night, Saturday night, they headed into the complex known as the K-Wing Center and got the win 5-4 to four over Kalamazoo. But then the burst, the party got burst on the 30th as Fort Wayne beat Toledo 3-2 to two in overtime. And then New Year's Eve, my friend Everett and his Cyclones absolutely pummeled the Walleye 4-1. to one. They get back into action tonight, of course, as they take on the Wheeling Nailers at Wheeling. So we'll be seeing, seeing what happens with that. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how Toledo responds. They have three games in four days. Two of them are at home this upcoming week. But right now, if you look at the standings going into this weekend's play, the Central looks like this. Cincinnati still in first place at 22-6-2-2 with 48 points. Toledo is 21-7-3 with 45 points. Indianapolis 17-14-0 with 34 points. Wheeling 16-13-2 with 34 points. Fort Wayne 16-14-0-1 with 33 points. Kalamazoo at 15-16-0-1 with 31 points. Mountain Division looks like this. Idaho is 19-10-1-2 with 41 points. Utah 18-18-3-1 with 40 points. Tulsa 16-11-4-2 with 38 points. Wichita 15-13-4-2. Three with 37 points. Kansas City is 17, 12, 1 and 1 with 36 points. Rapid City is 14, 16, 2 and 3 with 33 points. Allen is 9, 26, 0 and 2 with 20 points. Eastern Conference looks like this. Newfoundland is at the top at 20, 10, 1 and 0 with 41 points in the North Division. Adirondack 18, 19, 2 and 2 with 40 points. It is Maine at 18, 12. 0 and 1 with 37 points. Reading 15, 9, 2 and 5 with 37 points. Brampton 14, 16, 2 and 1 with 31 points. Wooster is 13, 14, 3, 2 with 31 points. And Manchester is 14, 15, 1 and 1 with 30 points. Florida is still the top one of the, is the second best team in the league. Well, tie for first in the league with Cincinnati at 22, 6, 5 and 0 with 49 points. It is. Jacksonville in second place at 18-13-1-0 with 37 points. South Carolina 18-13-1-0 with 37 points as well. Orlando 16-13-3-0 with 35 points. Norfolk 14-16-1-2 with 31 points. Greenville 13-18-3-2 with 31 points. And Atlanta is a 7-18-5-1 with 20 points. They are the worst team in the East Coast Hockey League. So we'll see what happens with that. Walleye playing in Wheeling tonight. They'll then come back home this upcoming weekend for Game of Thrones night. That's what they are calling it. As the Walleye get into action, they'll be playing tomorrow night at the Huntington Center against the Kalamazoo Wings. Before they also and then on Saturday, they'll be playing against the Wheeling Nailers. So we'll see what happens with that. As you're listening to Andy Alford tonight, right here. On the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcasts Now, however you're listening to me tonight, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in. And now, as I take a sip of water right here, let's dive into Andy Rants. So it was announced this past 
Tuesday at the NHL Winter Classic. The events happening this seat, upcoming year in the 2020 season for the NHL. And a lot of it I, 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 I like. But there's two things I do not like. One in particular. The first thing that they announced was that the Heritage Classic is coming back. It will be the Winnipeg Jets playing the Calgary Flames in Manitoba. And I, I think Winnipeg deserves an outdoor game. Their team is well beyond, and the fanship is well beyond getting an outdoor game. And Tim Hortons is sponsoring it. The second thing is the All-Star game next year will be in St. Louis, which I think is a good idea. St. Louis is getting a better cl- has a better club, better fanship, and they deserve a uh, uh, an All-Star game. They really do. And um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. So here's the other two. And this one is the one that gets me. The other, the other one I really don't care about. But this is the big one. In 2020, the NHL Winter Classic will be taking place in the Cotton Bowl this upcoming year. As the Dallas Stars will play a team to be announced later, and I know who it's going to be. We all, I think, I know who all, everybody's going to say it's going to be. It's going to be the Minnesota Wild. Teams are going to be bringing back the North Star look. In my opinion, this is the worst idea I have ever seen Gary Bettman propose in my entire life. Why, in God's name? Would you put an outdoor game in Dallas, Texas? They cannot draw the attendance for the Stars can't draw a sold-out crowd in Dallas anymore. A, the ticket prices are too high. And B, the product on the ice isn't really that great. And you have ownership that absolutely hates their players, Sagan and Ben. So why would you reward this franchise? With an outdoor game. Well, one first thing is everybody's talking about how those North Stars are going to do, bring out the North Star look and blah, blah, blah. Look, folks. I'm going to say this plain and simple. I'm going to say this one final time. One final time. The NHL is absolutely a money grab when it comes to outdoor games like this. This is an absolute joke. An absolute joke. To put this game in the Cotton Bowl, where the temperature is going to be in the 40s, and it always rains in Texas in the winter, it doesn't snow, it rains. Why in God's name would you put this game in Dallas, Texas, where there's no fans, no fanship, and there would be nobody that would go to it? True, the Cotton Bowl has history to it. But why would you put a hockey game there? If you're going to put a hockey game somewhere, put it in Jerry Jones' stadium. That way you could have it it be one of the biggest attendance hockey games. But not in the Cotton Bowl. Not in the Cotton Bowl. And not in Dallas. Where I think it can go. Well, I mean, Minnesota deserves an outdoor game. They deserve an outdoor game, a Winter Classic game. And have it be Minnesota versus Dallas. That would be a great fit. 
But I will say it, and I will say it, and I will say it. It should be played in Columbus with the Jackets playing either Pittsburgh or with Detroit. And it should be played at the Horseshoe in Ohio State. Plain and simple. The biggest this, this past week, Boston and Chicago have the second biggest attendance with 70,000 plus watching the hockey game. Now, yours truly was going to go to the game. I decided not to go at the last second. I did have a good a couple good offers on SeatGeek for seats. But why? Why would you put this game in the Cotton Bowl? It's not worth it to put play a game in the Cotton Bowl. A, because the fans aren't going to show up. And B, nobody wants to go and sit out in the rain in Dallas to watch a hockey game. Put it in a cold weather climate. Put it in in St. Louis. Put it in Nashville. Put it in Carolina. Put it in Boston. Put it in Buffalo again. This was the 11th Winter Classic. We have 11 years of the Winter Classic. It all started in 2007, folks. With the NHL playing Buffalo and, and, and Pittsburgh in the Winter Classic. We provided by Amp Energy Drink, which I remember. We've had good matchups, and we've had what-the-hell matchups. Like, a few years ago, we had Chicago playing Washington. Not even a ra- real matchup. And every year, it's the same, almost the same exact teams that play. True, this upcoming year with Dallas being in the, in the Winter Classic, it's going to be nice to see a, a, a new team playing. But not in the Cotton Bowl. Not in Dallas. Not in Texas in the winter. Plain and simple. Put it in Columbus. Pittsburgh versus Columbus. Detroit versus Columbus. Come on, Gary. You've got the be- you've got your Hall of Fame induction. Might as well give us what we want. An outdoor game in the shoe to break the attendance record in the NHL. Because we could definitely do it in Columbus. We can get 108,000. 110,000 was what it was at at the at the at the big house. We can definitely get past 110,000 at the horseshoe. So let's make it happen. Come on, Gary, get on the horn. Let's put the game in the shoe. Or it long deserves. And that's Andy Rance tonight. I want to thank you for tuning into the program tonight, of course. You can always follow us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford. It is at AllAndyElford. Uh, like I said, get out. Enjoy the uh, nice warm weather we're going to be having here in the northwest Ohio area, of course. Um, tomorrow night I'll be headed in, headed over to my alma mater, Toledo School for the Arts, to see the Alumni First Friday show, of course. And um, uh, look forward to seeing all my good friends and maybe catching a drink up afterwards and catching up with some friends after the show and seeing how everybody's doing and so much more. So um, looking forward to that. And, um, yeah, that's going to wrap it up for all Andy Elford tonight. And uh, I'll talk to you guys next Tuesday. We'll be back on our Tuesday slot because, of course, the holiday this past Tuesday in the, in the college football 
season finale will be this upcoming Monday. Like I said, I'll take Alabama to beat Clemson, and we'll see what happens. But until next Tuesday when I talk to you again, I'm Andy Elford. I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. The game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams that you root for at home, and to my teams, the Blue Jackets, go Jackets! Go Walleye! Go Falcons! And go Buckeyes. Thank you, Urban. Go Lions. And for the playoffs, go Bears. Victory is sweetest when you have tasted defeat. Have a great week, everybody. I'll talk to you guys on Tuesday for another edition of All in the Elf right here on the Anchor Network. Love you. Talk to you guys then. This has been a presentation of All Andy Elford on the All Andy Elford Network. Powered. By Anchor.